0: What up Salt Company? Hope you guys are doing well. Excited to be with you guys for the final episode of the Flourish podcast. Really, really pumped to be here. If I haven't met you, my name is Tony. I'm on staff with the Salt Company and, and I am joined with
1: Rachel Provart. Hi guys, so excited to be on the podcast today.
0: Yeah, and so this will be the final episode of the Flourish podcast and today we are going to talk about a subject that the book of John is all about and that is the person of Jesus. And and I remember reading through the book of John, and this verse always stood out to me, which is kind of like the thesis statement for John is John 20, 31. And it is that these are written to you, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so today Rachel and I are going to talk about why we love Jesus and why Jesus is our Savior and how our lives are changed by knowing him. So Rich, let's just begin here with a little bit more of like a testimony, or a story of how you met Christ. Uh, when did Jesus go from being a person in history to the Christ, the son of God in your own heart and in your own life?
1: Totally. Great question. Um, yeah, Jesus wasn't a person that I was interested in my mm. entire life for the most part until he totally crashed into <laughs> my world um which is by his grace and so yeah my freshman year of college i was pursuing the things of this world and um got the gospel shared with me by a teammate and in that moment jesus actually initially became a person in history <laughs> like i hadn't really yeah. even heard the name of jesus or um Got kind of questioned who Jesus was until yeah. that point. And in that moment, I, I had this feeling that this was something greater than just a made up story. Uh, um, okay. and so, yeah, at that spent, I spent my entire freshman year of college pursuing the truth about this person, yeah. Jesus. Um, and yeah, I would say my whole freshman year, I thought he was just a person in history. And then, um, Yeah, God opened my eyes uniquely um, to the truth of Jesus as the Mm. Christ, as the Messiah, as the Son of God um, that summer. And in that moment, I would say, um, yeah, Jesus went from... A concept. I don't mm-hmm. even know if I really believe that he was a person, like right, a walking, right. living. Like he was an idea in yeah, a sense. Yeah. 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 Just uh, almost like a religion and sure. uh, an object of a religion mm-hmm. to a person who lived the perfect life, mm-hmm. who was God in the flesh, both God and man. Yep, And, um, yeah, actually lived, actually died, actually resurrected. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think when that clicked for me that i actually believed that that was real and that was a true story and that was actual history Mm -hmm. um that only the son of god could could raise from the dead and could resurrect from death to life um, that i believed that all the other claims of jesus in the bible were true
0: yeah (coughs) so that's super interesting that you're almost introduced to jesus as a concept first Mm -hmm. as like this object of religion or kind of like the focal point of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until you begin to believe the truths about him that he almost became real. Right. Is that kind of your story? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that's true of America. Yeah. Um, We hear the name Jesus thrown around so often that, we don't actually consider whether it was a person in history. Mm. We just think that it's this concept or this um, kind of floaty idea rather than a person in history. And I think actually bringing Jesus into a person and like seeing as it like historical actual thing that happened, like Caesar, like the things that we read about in the history books, um, actually was helpful for me
0: yeah yeah like the historical jesus is one of the first arguments that are given to people who don't believe in god Mm -hmm. because just placing jesus at a point in history who was a part of the census who was actually born in a certain city who was known by people of that time who actually knew very important people of that time like pontius Pilate, who's very well recorded etc etc like putting jesus in a point of history with actual flesh and bones helps put people's imagery of him into reality Mm -hmm. right so what would you say before you met Jesus and maybe even before you introduced to Jesus, like tell us a little bit more about, okay, what, what, what what did your mind go to when you heard the name of Jesus? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, was it just like a saying like, Oh, Jesus Christ or whatever, you know what I mean? Or like, was it kind of like this, like the, the pictures of Jesus who he like always has like the flowy hair and has like, you know what I mean? Like what was Jesus in your mind before you were introduced to him?
1: Um, yeah, I think it was very vague. Yeah, There wasn't uh, a personhood to Jesus. There wasn't um, traits that could be given to him. He was kind of aloof and floating maybe right almost like angelic even like kind of like
0: ethereal and you know yeah Uh, spiritual quote-unquote yes
1: (laughs) so not um a a human not god man right um by any means but very Mm. um floaty abstract
0: yeah yeah
1: which is what about you tone what would you say
0: yeah You know, I think that's, like, interesting. I kind of grew up in, like, this legalistic Korean church. So Mm -hmm. I have, like, a really unique experience in the sense that, like, I grew up in church, but I didn't understand anything anyone was saying. So, (laughs) like, grew up in the actual building, but didn't understand the message of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think I always viewed Jesus as, um, yeah, this, like, hypothetical salvation that I didn't actually felt like I needed so it's kind of like people were like you need Jesus and I was like yeah I don't really need Jesus and <laughs> and I didn't yeah think of him as like a real human being who ate food like me who slept like me who experienced pain like me who experienced joy like me mm. like I didn't I didn't see him as relatable at all. Mm. Um and I think it's because I kind of viewed him as like this like angelic being that had something to do with the world but wasn't all that interested in my life or the world around me. Mm. Um and that, that changed when I heard the gospel, which I think is one of the questions I have for you, Rach, is like something happened for you, right? Where mm-hmm. it was Jesus was, okay, Jesus became like a real human being and you're like, okay, I have to investigate him in a yeah. sense, right? Like yes. he's no longer this vague person, but it's like, oh, these people like actually believe that Jesus walked this earth, was a real person in human history, was recorded. Mm-hmm. And he said a bunch of stuff about himself that mm-hmm. were like alluding that he was a God man, mm-hmm. right? But when did... Your perspective or perception of Jesus change from like human to God, Mm. and I think the question is why. Mm -hmm. Like, what was the change agent in that process for Mm. you?
1: Yeah, as you say that, I'm like, man, I like put Jesus on trial.
0: Totally. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I think we all do. I'm like,
1: okay, Jesus, what's up? Tell like, (laughs) you got to tell me. You got to convince me. Mm -hmm. Like, I need. Um, something radical right. to be done in right. order to... Some audible voice or something Yes, like that. Yep. in order to actually um, believe you. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you said, Jesus and the Bible has radical claims about who Jesus is. I yeah. mean, they don't just say he's a man, mm-hmm. which would be hopefully easy to believe that Jesus right. was a real right. man.
0: Just a historical fact, yes. right? Yeah.
1: But the jump from he was a historical man to he was god in the flesh yeah um it's huge and i
0: and a claim no other religion makes across human history that's it's like singular in its claim yes that jesus is god like muhammad didn't claim that buddha doesn't claim that no one else does Mm -hmm. only christ but
1: yeah and so i don't want to sit here and say i read the bible i did this i did this (laughs) right I mean genuinely I did I I read ironically the book of John my whole freshman year and awesome. went to a uh, um that teammate who shared the gospel with me with questions and um yeah read books and read articles and looked up all my questions online and did all the things that someone <laughs> investigating Jesus would do Right um but I mean, ultimately what made the difference was God's grace to open my eyes. Like it was a supernatural act that needed to occur yes. in order for me to go from Jesus was a person in history to mm-hmm. Jesus was the son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, that only could occur and only did occur because God was kind enough to mm-hmm. open my eyes and reveal himself to me. And I mean, I guess a lot of people's testimonies, They come to know Jesus over um, a period, like a longer period of time, Mm -hmm. which is valid and beautiful. And God uses time to reveal Himself Mm -hmm. to people. Um, But I think for me, I remember I was sitting um, outside my house in a little chair in the sun, you know, (laughs) and um, (coughs) was reading John. And um, yeah, just got to the point that I was like, okay, Rachel like you have to the trials over. Right. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Mm-hmm. Or do you believe that Jesus was just a man? Right. Um, and yeah, by God's grace, my, I, I genuinely believed like, Oh no, <laughs> yeah. this is true. And all yeah. of his claims are true. And I didn't have all the answers. I didn't, I couldn't have argued with someone who, Right. um, yeah, didn't yet believe or show all the evidence or anything like that. Mm. I just, God gave me faith. It was a gift. And so that was yeah. ultimately the game changer was God's kindness to yeah. me to open my eyes.
0: That's cool. And that's everyone's story who's a genuine Christian. And it's it's actually an act of God mm-hmm. to save your soul. And it cannot be produced or pursued, even by you, really, mm-hmm. which what I don't want to discourage is like reading the Bible, pursuing the things Mm -hmm. of God, asking questions. Those are all really, really beautiful things and I want everyone to encourage, I want everyone to pursue that but like the actual salvation moment comes from God reaching down and grabbing us out of our blindness and giving us eyes to see which Mm -hmm. is kind of the language of Paul in all his New Testament letters that Mm -hmm. salvation is this idea of being spiritually blind to being spiritually seeing and that is and a blind person can't just make themselves see. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's like an act of God. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a unique power. I mean, the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. Mm-hmm. We actually just believe that, that it's yeah. it's the gospel, uh, which is crazy. So, Rich, okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about like. Let's, I just have a little side note. Yeah. yeah dig little. into that. Yeah.
1: um, I mean, another way it's put in the New Testament is that. For someone to be saved um, is someone going from death to life. Yeah. And no matter how hard we try, we cannot <laughs> make a dead person come back to life. No. We, we can't. You can't save people. You mm-hmm. can't save yourself. There's there's no possible way, but that that dead person in God's eyes is actually just asleep. Yeah. Like, it's as easy for God to save someone as it is for us to wake someone up from a sleep. And so just the difference between death and sleeping is the difference between our relationship to saving someone and God's relationship to saving someone.
0: Yeah. Exemplified with Jesus and Lazarus, right? Mm -hmm. Like in in the book of John, which is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Man, I just feel like there's this, I want to make things simple for people because I'm like, I'm liking the train of thought that we're on of like, there are a lot of things that happen in our lives to save us kind of like you had a kind of a unique story of like there was this woman who shared the gospel with you and then there's this bible study and you're reading john and mm-hmm. you're looking up articles and all these different questions but it's actually just like the gospel message mm-hmm. in its pure simplicity like what i love about christianity is it is as simple for a child to understand and as depthful that the greatest historians and theologians in the world cannot grasp the mm-hmm. things of god and that's true like A eight-year-old kid, if they genuinely believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who came and died for them so that they could live with him forever, like if they believe that, Mm -hmm. they can be saved. Mm -hmm. And yet there are genius atheists in the world that have heard that sentence but have not yet been saved, Mm -hmm. who know more about the historical backings which there are an incredible amount of resources on the historical backs of Christianity, but do not believe that Jesus is Lord and therefore are not saved. Mm-hmm. And I think that is genuinely one of the most curious things about Christianity.
1: Yeah. I mean, the gospel is so counterintuitive. <laughs> totally. It's so <laughs> different than humans and it's so different than us and the way we think that. Yeah. I think that's such a testimony to the gospel being a story about God yeah. because if humans were to write it and if humans were to have come up with it, it would have sounded a lot more like Mm. God is different than you and you must work your way to him in order to be approved of Mm -hmm. by him. Mm -hmm. But what the gospel is instead, and is so different than the way we think and the way we act is God is so different than you mm. that he actually made himself accessible to you. Yeah. And he yeah. came to you in your difference. Right. To then make a way for you mm. to access him. Yeah. And so yeah, I just think that is wildly insane yes. that yeah, the gospel is not um it's both easy to grasp and extremely counterintuitive for any aged human and maybe easier for children because they haven't necessarily learned that you must earn your way to things and um, repay and do all the things um, that this world teaches you you need to do in relationships. Um, But also the hardest thing maybe to unlearn is that you need to earn relationships and you need yeah. to. So then the greatest theologians of in the world right. can't understand why would God make himself accessible to the yes. people that would hurt him yeah. and go against him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the eerily beautiful thing about Jesus is he does the last thing that anyone would ever expect God to do. And that's mm-hmm. crazy. Like, I think a lot of people will be like, wow, believing in Christ. Like, there are crazy things about the Christian faith. Oh, okay, when I say crazy, I do not mean ununderstandable or like wildly inappropriate. I just mean like hard to understand. But, like, yeah, Jesus coming as God in the flesh incarnate, that is wild and beautiful. And Jesus living a life of compassion in a world of power and brokenness, that is wild and beautiful but seemingly what i would say is the craziest thing that god could do is to be killed by his own creation on the cross yeah that is for me the hardest thing like that would be the hardest thing for me to believe is that a perfect god who did not deserve to die would subject himself to death by the ones who he created the ones who came for and the ones that he loves Hmm. maybe that is the most hardest thing to understand and it doesn't add up because from a human perspective none of us would ever do that Uh uh-huh but that's what makes jesus not human Uh
1: uh-huh
0: he is human but not only human Uh so cool well rage going on to the next question in john chapter 20 verse 31 he says that and by and that by believing you may have life in his name okay so what is life post knowing Jesus or post encountering Jesus look like for you and what are ways that you've actually received the life in his name and that have been different from the life that you lived before
1: yeah um, that's a good question
0: <laughs> How have, in other words how have you changed
1: <laughs> yeah um, yeah when I um, surrendered my life king jesus i was um yeah just really obviously pursuing the ways of this world and Mm. was in a lot of obvious sin outward sin um things that even if you aren't a christian you would probably know is sin (laughs) um and so for me those were, were were the first things that i was like man I know that Jesus has something better for me. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I need to put this off. Mm -hmm. This is not okay. And that was specifically sexual sin, drinking, Mm -hmm. underage and getting drunk, and then just pursuing success and, um, yeah. Wanting people to know me and like me and kind of praise my name almost, um, both athletically and academically
0: building your own kingdom.
1: Yes. And so um those were the things that I knew were bad mm-hmm. um and and were genuinely pretty easy with the help of the spirit right, um, right. to put off and mm. to kind of stop doing stop committing right right um but it wasn't until I was no longer participating in those things that mm. I realized that my sin was much Deeper Mm -hmm. than I had first known or seen. Um, And that's actually where the gospel became even more real. Right. Because it was like, oh no, this sin is deeply ingrained into my being. My desires are selfish. My intentions are, um, yeah, wanting to bring attention to self I wow. like am jealous. I like there's things that are so deep and natural right. coming up in my relationships, um, that it was there actually that, that the gospel uniquely spoke into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there that I actually needed freedom and mm-hmm. life from those deadly sins. Right. Um, I don't think I I understood being enslaved and what what death sin brought about until I realized oh no this is every move I make and every yeah. thought I think is sin like it totally. it just is coded in sin um and it was in that moment that I was like oh darn I like I need Jesus more than I knew when I first I needed Jesus, yeah, um, yeah. and I mean, I'm still putting off those things, yeah, but each moment that i each day and moment that I live that is free from those deeply ingrained sins, yeah um is life yeah. and free, and yeah, it's hard to explain the freedom and the life you feel yeah. when you aren't practicing sin because right. of how ingrained it is into our lives. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I love how you just outlined that when you first encounter Jesus, there are these like very outward sins that kind of plague your life. And for a lot of people, I think it's like pornography is a huge outward sin mm-hmm. that is consistently a, a, a deep part of the, the narrative or underage drinking or um, whatever it is. And then, the gospel heals you of that. like, And, and yeah. I think Rachel's story is really beautiful because it's like she encountered Jesus and those outward sins were put off really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to look it up. I couldn't find it. But Dallas Willard talks about the sanctification of the soul initially begins with these like big outward sin, what he calls like sin patterns or sin themes that kind of enslave you. And then as Rachel describes, then then it goes a little bit, into the intentions of the heart like Mm -hmm. what's my intention on loving this person is Mm -hmm. it because i actually love them or because i want something for them and then from them and then you realize like oh selfishness like defines almost everything that i do and Mm -hmm. jealousy and then uh since like lust and since like um what is the thing when you want someone what someone else's has covetousness yeah all that stuff and then you keep fighting those and then eventually in your walk with jesus you begin to fight your sins not just of commission but of omission which uh-huh. is basically like not just what you do but what you don't do and then yeah. you're like at that point in your spiritual development which i'm praying would happen soon <laughs> it's like you're like sinning in such a way where it's like you're not doing what would be the the most righteous thing to do in a moment and instead falling into apathy or fear or whatever mm-hmm. and then it even after that another level is like subconscious sin like Mm. what you don't even know you are or not not doing Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis and i think the reason why i wanted to share some of like the stages of sin sounds way too intense so it's not like that (laughs) but it's that like the gospel saves you in a moment and continues to save you from yourself for a lifetime yeah and Rachel and I are what I would consider young like baby Christians like we we've only been walking with Jesus for a handful of years I mean I'm praying that I get to be an 80 90 100 year old man one day where I'm at a different stage in my spiritual development where like those sins that I've once struggled with are no longer but I'm daily convicted because it's just a different understanding of the depth of my sin yeah um Rachel, is that how you define sanctification, like the putting off of sin? Or how would you describe this idea of like being continually changed?
1: Yeah, I think <coughs> sanctification, it it requires um, the gospel and the gospel to yes. be the center of the change. Mm-hmm. Um, because what sanctif- sanctification is not, it's not uh, by your own power. Right. Right. Um, just being better totally. and almost like um, gritting your teeth and being like, yeah, I'm going to be a better I person. I need to be better. Or, um, God doesn't actually love me. He loves his future version of me and I just need to muster up enough strength to stop thinking this way or committing right. this sin or whatever it is. Um, and what it's actually is seeing, um, your sin seeing who you are rightly in God's eyes Mm -hmm. and seeing that he's inviting you into a better life and asking the spirit to (coughs) help you Mm -hmm. and also actively putting in effort, not in order to be saved, but in light of your salvation to, to put on Christ and to put on the better life that um, Jesus offers. Right. To then put off um, your sin, not in a way to be saved, but in light of being saved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. I mean, yeah, sanctification is the process of living into the life that Jesus wants to already give us, Mm -hmm. which is so like it sounds like counterintuitive. But even as saved children of God, sin is still tempting Mm -hmm. to me. And I'm sure sin is still tempting to you and sin is still tempting to all of us. And so we have this life that we've been given, which is this holy and righteous life that is modeled in the person of Jesus and commanded in his word. And yet our rebellious nature is still to be like, but is there a better way to live, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. sin? And then we walk down that path at times instead of walking down the path of righteousness. And sanctification is the process of being like, okay, that's not going to work. I want to follow Jesus and his life that he's given me Um, And as you continue to pursue that, your life actually begins to change. And Mm -hmm. the things that once enslaved you, like drinking or sexual sin or pornography or all these different sins, um, begin to lose their hold on you.
1: Yeah. Tone, what would you say? Like, how does (coughs) sanctification or um, continuously, daily, hourly receiving um, the grace of God and <laughs> his life, mm-hmm. how does that impact your walk with Christ?
0: yeah, man, I Put mean, I think the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's it's what keeps you dependent on Jesus,-, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of us get frustrated, which I don't know if you feel this very rage from. I'm like, why do I still struggle with these sins? Mm-hmm. Sin in general, I'm, like, bummed about that. But just, like, even, like, just repetitive sins or sins that, like, you wish were put off from you, Mm -hmm. in a sense, you Mm know? Um, Or
1: even sin um, that you don't feel like you're actively pursuing. It just is what comes up. It's just what bubbles out of you.
0: Yes. Like, a great example would be, like, anger. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't think I'm, like, trying to become an angry person like i don't think that's like my intention but like when things don't go right in my life i get really frustrated and angry and i'm like dang like me stubbing my toe is not a reason to sin like that's like (laughs) or even just like anyways the stressors and financials whatever right like there's so much in life that go wrong so i think the way that sanctification currently i'm viewing is like sanctification my sin causes me to like get on my knees and be dependent to christ every day Mm -hmm. and if i didn't know my own sin i think i would become a really prideful arrogant young man Mm -hmm. who thinks that he's holy enough for the things of god Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't think jesus will ever let me be that Mm -hmm. so i'm just like in some ways really thankful that the spirit continually reveals to me my sin because it causes me to be dependent on him Mm -hmm. that's good that's my thoughts hey (coughs) we
1: got a little coffer over there a little coffer (laughs) man
0: rach how would you how would you um kind of express your desires and hopes for everyone who's listening to this podcast or all the students who are part of salt company like in relation to what we just talked about right now in some sense like gospel in a moment and gospel for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. what would you express as like your greatest desire for everyone who's listening to this podcast mm. um in that
1: mhm yeah i mean the first thing that comes to my mind is that um yeah i desire um all of you who are listening and who attend salt company to love and follow Jesus for the rest of your lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tony, I think that's a great point you made earlier. Um, Knowing our sin and recognizing our sin before a holy, beautiful God who is worthy of our perfection um, helps us to remain dependent on Jesus. Yes. The second we become unaware of our sin, it, it puts us in a delusional relationship with God where we don't really need Jesus. Yeah. And so, yes, I want salt St. Paul students to be aware of their sin in a healthy way that they're dependent on Jesus because <coughs> we are yeah. there. I mean, in past podcast episodes, Jesus is the way, the right. only way. Um, but I also would love for salt St. Paul students to believe that, The life that Jesus is offering them, one Mm. of righteousness and perfection and holiness, is the better life, the more joyful life, um, the life that he lived, and that they would um, desire that life, um, both for their sake, because it is a better life, and because it's the life that is worthy of yeah um before a holy god we Mm -hmm. god is worthy of our perfection Mm -hmm. and we fall short of that um so both yes it's a better life for us and god is worthy of being rightly praised and um our life should look perfect and it doesn't um so, good. I mean, there's a lot I would want for Salt St. Paul students to know <laughs> and believe their whole lives. <laughs> that I would, I would also love for those in Christ to believe that, that they don't have to earn right. their salvation. They right. can just rest. Yeah. That they would have like, a right intention mm-hmm. of putting off sin. That it wouldn't be one of impr- impressing others or impressing right. God. Right. But it would be, like I said, a better life and what God is yeah. worthy of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think of the the verse in I think it's first or second Timothy, you can correct me, where Paul says that he is the chief of sinners. Mm. Um which, if you guys have read the New Testament, my man Paul <laughs> is a holy dude. <laughs> he just is and loves Jesus so much and as has, his life was transformed by the gospel and walked in faith and obedience, and yet his claim, his title for himself was chief of sinners. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my prayer for myself and for Rage and for mm-hmm. our staff team and for all of our leaders and for all of... The students at salt company is that we would have an awareness that we're the chief of sinners like that's who we are mm-hmm. and yet the waterfall of grace is big enough for all of us to stand under mm-hmm. and so in some ways we can rejoice that our sin is forgiven of and that we can be brought near to christ on the daily because of that and so I would rather live a life of dependence and obedience to Christ than ease and comfort. And I think our hope for all of us is that we would follow Christ in that way. Mm-hmm. Rachel, any final thoughts you want to leave the Southamie um, students with?
1: Here's a thought. This is kind of... Uh, it's, it's hard because it's a tension. So this is going to be yeah. the other side of the tension <laughs> totally. from everything we just kind of talked about
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) um that yes i like want you all and us to be like paul and saying that we are the chief of sinners like i i actually feel that and have felt that but what's more true of me is that when god sees me he sees christ yes like once everything is peeled away once i am totally revealed before god Mm -hmm. he's going to see jesus and that's not because of me but that's because of his grace yeah and so yes knowing you're a sinner is important because it it creates a dependence on god yeah but what's ultimately true for those of you who are in christ before god is you are righteous
0: yeah yeah that's really good i love that reminder and that's the tension of the christian faith is that at once you were a sinner that occasionally did saint like things Mm -hmm. and if you're in christ now you're a saint that occasionally sins Mm -hmm. and our hope is that as you become more and more sanctified in christ that you would see that that's the life that jesus has for you and so that's happened in rachel's life that's happened in my life and many others at salt company and we're praying that happens for you salt company we love you guys we're so thankful for the last five weeks of the flourish podcast if you are here and you're listening and you're like okay i've not listened to any of the other podcasts <laughs> or not have i read any of the flourish plan just know the book of john is still available for you to read and <laughs> these podcasts will be up for the foreseeable future and so There's no shame if you've had a hard winter break and you're looking back and you're like, man, this winter break wasn't a winter break of flourishing. It wasn't a time to know and encounter God. Master the reset. You can start today. You can start tomorrow. And there's no shame in that. But in fact, Jesus has his arms wide open, excited for you to come running back to him. And you can be the prodigal son. And Jesus will be pumped to have you back. So, We love you guys a ton. We're excited to see you guys February 3rd. Uh, Keep an eye out on social for all the future updates that we have. We love you guys a ton. Love you guys. See ya.